Hello, and welcome back to the Hill and Valley. This is Nick Roby once again. We have a special guest on today for the podcast. So happy new year. Welcome in. Um, and before we get talking with him, I just wanted to get an, a background. We have a former Clemson basketball player, two-year player, uh, led the league in three-point attempts in 0809, played eight seasons overseas, and is now a basketball analyst for the Field of 68 podcast network. Uh, with DTF, Doster, TO, and Fanta, and Field of 68 After Dark. We have a good friend of the Clemson program, Terrence Oglesby, joining us today. TO, how are you doing? Thanks for joining. I'm great, man. Thank you for having me. I've been able to stay busy at least since basketball season started, so that's good. And then uh, it's good to talk with some Clemson people about basketball because uh, it's been all football up until just now. We got one more game. Well, we're recording on a Monday night, so I, mm-hmm. or on a Monday. So tonight we got one more big college football game, and then most of the fans will start sliding over this direction. Yeah, I love it. It is kind of ironic to record a, the basketball podcast on the day of the national championship, but it's an SEC game, so we're just moving on from there. We've I already seen. Add, movie. We've already seen. We've already, we've seen, already seen, it. seen it. It's it's like fourth time in a row. It's it's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> who are you rooting for, by the way? I don't even know who to root for. I almost want to root for a tie. I, yeah, I, I almost want – I want both of them to lose. Uh, that's the big thing. But, and no, I, there's a part of me that wants Alabama to win because I know that Georgia and Clemson recruit a lot of the same people. So, obviously, for recruiting purposes, you want Alabama to win because then you – you can still have that national championship edge over them. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, if Georgia wins, obviously, obviously Georgia's here to stay regardless, but uh, for the recruiting edge, obviously you hope for Alabama. Yeah, I think that's what I'm leaning to. A little part of me just wants to get the Georgia thing over with if they're going to win. Just want, let them win, enjoy it, and see year of Georgia and, and move on. But I like our chances in the upcoming years so far. So – as we get into this, I mean, what's I first have to ask, what's it like working with like John Goodman and all those guys with Field 68? It just feels like it's got to be such a blast. You just seem like you're from us from afar, like just a kid in a candy store, just getting to talk about college basketball all the time. Yeah. What's it like working with those guys? Yeah, well, I've known Jeff uh, for, gosh, uh, since I was in high school because he used to be the high school guy. And it kind of evolved for him to being a college guy and then being the college mm-hmm. insider. And then now he's every Jeff Goodman that everybody knows has got, you know, 300 something thousand followers on Twitter and all that stuff. Like he's the guy. Um, but way back when he was the high school guy. So I knew him from way back there. And uh, I started getting into media a couple of years ago. Uh, not that much, but last season was actually the first season where I really dove all the way into it. Uh, I, Published my own magazine, uh, an ACC breakdown magazine. I did a, mm-hmm. my own podcast. I uh, did a bunch of games, which was a lot of fun. And then uh, after that, the following summer, uh, Jeff put out something that it was, hey, I'm looking for the next up and coming people that are doing media stuff. Well, I threw a friend, I reached out to him and said I was in it, and they invited me along. And it's been a lot of fun. And we've had an opportunity to interview a lot of people, and it's been been a, it's been a, a, an interesting experience and it's been a quick way uh, to, for me to really kind of dive and cannonball into it, which has been a lot of fun. And we just talk hoop and with Jeff, Jeff's connections and with Doster's connect, uh, Rob Doster's connections, mm-hmm. uh, we've been able to interview some big time people. Uh, we interviewed Scott Drew after they won. They went to Iowa State and won, State, yeah. uh, which was a top, which was a top 10. Uh, matchup or a top 11 matchup number one versus number 11 and then 
We've been able to interview Johnny Davis, Oscar Tashibwe, uh, John Fulkerson after he played at Tennessee. So when you say kid in a candy store, that's correct, because I'm having an absolute ball doing it. Uh, we've got a lot of good uh, feedback. Uh, we're averaging 25,000 people a show uh, watching that's amazing. it. amazing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, here lately after football season's kind of sauntered off, uh, we're creeping up in the 30s and it's a really good show. And no, no show on the internet or on TV has as much access as we do around the country. You know, there are certain shows that have access to ACC, to SEC, mm-hmm. things like that. And we blow those shows out of the water just with our access. So it's, sure. it's a lot of fun. And I get to talk high level hoop. It's not very filtered. It's a little bit more off the cuff. And uh, it's basketball people talking basketball and not trying to get too cute with it. So it's a lot of fun for me. No, I love that. And and yeah, I will say if you have not checked it out, definitely do because it's been under the radar, but it is building steam. And I would just say, even just like you're saying with getting an interview, Scott Drew, the defending national champion coach after they win and getting some just live, just reaction of that. I mean, that kind of stuff is just so cool. And well, we got, we get them on the bus on the bus too. Yeah. We get them on the bus. So like the cool thing is, is we'll be like uh, university of Missouri, Kansas city, head coach named Pat Conlon. Well, they go up and upset Missouri. They go upset Missouri. They're on their way back home. We just FaceTime him in. And so we're interviewing him after the game. He's on the bus. And then one of his players are back there. He just puts up his phone and says, hello. And we get, (laughs) we can just, I'm telling you, the access is unprecedented. And it's a lot different than what a lot of uh, different companies are able to um, put out there, which is a lot of fun. No, I love that. Yeah, so definitely, definitely check that out when you can, especially now that you're trying to get, I feel like we're in this mode of transitioning, like you're saying, from football to basketball. And this is when really we're in conference play and it's really starting to pick up and trying to get a hang of it. But before we, we kind of dive into that too, I just want to get just your, how, how did you get like when you're, I guess, being recruited to come to Clemson or just what what drew you to coming into this like, Clemson family and then what are just some like favorite memories from just your playing days well I didn't have a I didn't have a whole lot of familiarity with Clemson growing up because I grew up in Tennessee that's SEC country right and, right. uh funny enough the guy who got our interest going in Clemson was Jim Davis who was the women's coach at the time it was towards his last season or last couple mm-hmm. of seasons and he was in town recruiting a girl that was at my high school named Jackie Pickle who ended up signing at Middle Tennessee State was a really good player and um, my dad had run basketball camps with him when well, my dad was in college. So they met, they catch up. He said, hey, man, you ought to think about Clemson. And I was like, Clemson? I don't know anything about Clemson. Why are we even talking about Clemson? Well, come to find out, it was only a three-hour drive from my house, and uh, which is funny enough. It was just on the other side of the, of the mountains there. Right. And um, we take a visit, and Oliver obviously uh, hops on board. I was recruited by him. Shaka Smart, who's at Marquette currently. Ron mm-hmm. Bradley, who was a head assistant. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Will Wade was the director of basketball operations. So you want to talk about a high-level staff. And um, long story short, I came over. They offered me a scholarship after watching me play once in July. I played really well. I think I had 25 or 30 points against Nike Team Florida, who had – Chandler Parsons, Nick Calathis, uh, Solomon Alibi, a bunch of really high-level mm-hmm. dudes who are still playing. And uh, they offered me, and it ended up coming down to Clemson or Michigan, ironically enough. 
And uh, Michigan was just too far away from home. And uh, it worked out well because my grandparents were getting older. Um, <clears throat> I'm really happy that I did that because they could come to some games. They wouldn't have been able to come to Michigan. No. And uh, I just fell in love with the place when I got on campus because it reminded me of home. So uh, long story, really long. Uh, that's how I ended up at Clemson. I love that. Yeah, that's really cool. And um, ironically enough, that's where my both my alumni for my parents are Michigan and Clemson. And so I know oh, really? Clemson. Yeah. So it's just funny that those are two that came down to. So I love that. What's when you think about environments, I think of like all these players like last year it was weird watching all these games and it was fun to have it, but then there's no atmosphere there. There's no, like you're watching like just hearing the sneakers at the gym. And now you have guys coming on the road and like an environment like Iowa state, like that game. I know there's a bunch of college football games on, but I got to tune into that too. And just to see the atmosphere that was coming back, that's gotta be so cool. But when I think about from a player's perspective, what's a place from just your, like just when in your playing days around the ACC or, or on the East coast that you really enjoyed playing at and then what's a place that was just really just really hard to play that we um just from from that place as a, as a shooter well duke was hard because it was so warm uh, they, they forgot to turn the ac on they need to leave the doors <laughs> open or something it was a small place it was too loud i mean and i don't even mean from the students because let's let's be honest nick the students have become a little disinterested and that's fine they're just not as rowdy but they crank the speakers up so loud in there that it still makes you feel which is kind of kind of corny if you ask me but they uh that was a hard place to play because it was so warm uh underrated venue really nick was uh blacksburg and virginia tech mm. that was an underrated venue because um there's a wall of students that goes straight up it gets loud it's old they haven't fixed a whole lot the ac units don't work like it's warm right. there too, but that's an underrated venue uh carolina it takes a lot to get them going but once it does it really gets loud. It's just yeah. kind of they're spoiled for the first 30 minutes of the game. And then the last 10, they come alive. Uh, tough places to play uh, and not as much fun. You look at your Georgia Techs and your Miami, and sometimes you think like, well, man, there's no fans down there. But sometimes having no fans is just as big, an, big of an advantage as having zero as having all the fans. Because right. you have to you go in there, you're kind of asleep, and then you kind of have to create some things for yourself. And and those places were tough to play for a lot of guys. But, um, you know, underrated venue, Virginia Tech. Duke is obviously tough to play for all the all the reasons sure, that, I, sure, sure. that everybody knows about on top of it being them adding to it like they need to anyway. But, um, you know, as far as places I enjoyed, Old Little John was a lot of fun because the students were right on the floor. Yep. And I hate yep. that they I, I hate that when they redid Little John that they went away from that and put the corporate seats on the side. Like that is that stinks. And I'm happy that the people who pay for the scholarships get good seats, but you could have put them on the sides or something. Like you need to take care of the students and put them on the floor because then the feel of the games just means so much more. So I'm a little bit bummed out about that. Sure. No, I understand. I mean, that's what makes that's what we love about college basketball is just seeing guys get hyped up. Yeah. Like and, and we realized we realized after last year how much college basketball and college athletics in general is so much more than the sport. It's the pageantry of the sport, mm -hmm. which I think is a big part of it. I mean, you take away the students last year and it was what it was like, even Duke football, like you, 
you're six feet apart, you're every other row and all that stuff, but it's, it's, uh, it, it wasn't the same. And it's college athletics is so much more than the actual game, which is what makes it fun. Oh, sure. And I think just the, the access, that's what I love personally, like with college basketball, it's the access and it's maybe moments from the outside that maybe don't seem as big. But I remember one of my favorite memories in college was I got to go. It was like an 11 a.m. tip off NIT. We were hosting Illinois and some buddies of mine got to sit on the front row and just yell the whole time. And just like those are the kind of memories that we love from from basketball. And I love that they're going to have that access. So. All right, so here we go. We got Clemson fans are coming in. We just finished, you know, beating Iowa State in the Cheez-It Bowl. We've got all those things coming off. And, you know, so just wanted to, to get to bring you on and, and kind of get your feel of, you know, obviously we're, we're getting closer to halfway through the season. We're in conference play. And what are what would you say uh, has been your feel for Clemson's season so far? What would you say if you had maybe described like a word or a phrase, just if you were just trying to describe it, because now we're in conference play and for people who are trying to catch up and, and get to know this team. It's a fun team to watch. It's fun. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a top 25 offense in the country. And how many times during Brad Brownell's tenure have you been able to see that? Well, excuse me, not top 25, top 30 offense in the country. Right. Uh, you, don't, you don't get to say that too often. Well, they shoot the ball really well. I think that's one of the big pieces. This year, they're third in the country in three-point shooting at over 40%. Uh, and a lot of that funnels around P.J. Hall. P.J. Hall has been terrific all season long. He has been much better than a lot of people, including myself, has have anticipated because his ability to function within the offense out on the perimeter and be big and strong enough to hold his own down in the post is what makes him truly unique. And he's not quite Amir Sims, but he's bigger. And Amir, from a talent perspective, just being there and knowing for so long – Make, made him very valuable. PJ has all those same intangibles, but he's bigger. And he's only a sophomore, so he hasn't quite reached peak uh, Amir Sims yet, but he's close. And he's very, very good and very, very fun to watch. Yeah. No, I, I would say so, too. That He's definitely been such a, such a fun aspect of, of this year. I, I think that's a great way to describe it because as I've watched, the, the ball movement has just been really fun and just seeing yes. – and, and seeing the guard play, I mean, you know, you've got Dawes and Honor and those guys, yes, are a little bit smaller, but the way – I was curious to know how Brownell was going to use those two because they tend to play a lot together. And he's been really been able to – there's been some adjustment, obviously, when you when you go from everything going through Amir Sims to, to transitioning into that. And I would say from my perspective, that seems like they've been feeling that, but now we're getting to that rhythm. But, yeah, the three-point shooting has been really fun. What would you say, what is that kind of like when you go from uh, that kind of transition as a team, when you have a, like a guy like Amir Sims, like what would you say from a fan's perspective is what's that kind of transition like going from one guy handling the ball like that to a little bit more of a maybe more traditional like point guard kind of offensive flow? Well, I, this year it's been, they've been more reliant on getting the ball out quickly and not walking the ball up but jogging the ball up and running the ball up last year, they were in the 340s in tempo. I mean, down yeah. towards the bottom of the country in tempo, they're still not super fast, but they've moved up over 110 spots. Mm-hmm. So that tells you that there has been an emphasis for them to at least create that initial movement. Um, you're small. 
So obviously you're going to have to move a lot faster and use your speed to get open shots. Clemson's done a nice job of doing that with Alamir and Nick, Nick honor, Alamir Dawes and Nick honor. So what that ends up happening is they move quick. They pass it into PJ. He's forcing a lot of double teams. So you're getting a lot of skip pass threes and a lot of better looks from the perimeter, which has worked out really well in their favor. And then on top of that, David Collins has been a fantastic addition. Uh, he's averaging over seven rebounds a game from the guard position. Clemson's small, and they were going to need they were going to need guys, especially at the guard spots, to be able to come in and help out on the boards. David Collins has really produced that, and it's been a, it's been a fun team to watch. Ten and five, four of those losses come whenever they have struggled to maintain the lead at the end of games, and they're still ten and five. Four of those games they were winning at the end of the game, and things just mm-hmm. happened poorly. And what happens is, is it's not so much Brad's fault. Guys just stop, start dribbling off their foot, which is a little nuts. I was down there at Miami. They just didn't play well. And the bottom line is, if you win three of those games, we're looking at Clemson in a whole different light. And this is a good Clemson team. It's a next four out team. It's an NIT team as of right now. Can they go on a roll and win some games? It better start at Notre Dame because that's a tough test. Notre Dame team who has won some big games. They beat North Carolina at home go down to Georgia Tech and pull out a tough environment win at the pavilion down there. It's going to be an interesting game. Notre Dame has a lot of size and a lot of different guys who can score. Clemson has the speed on the perimeter advantage. Notre Dame has the size on the perimeter advantage. And then P.J. Hall, I think, against any team in the conference, Sands, Duke, or North Carolina, I think he's an advantage at the five position. Yeah, I mean – no, that's great. I think this this test don't yeah don't sleep on going at Notre Dame, which is a really tough game. I mean, there's really never an easy. I mean, we saw even from this weekend, there's never really an easy out, even if the ACC is a little bit down, because NC State gave us a lot of uh, a, a tough matchup as well. Uh, well they've won t- five. In a, they've won five in a row. I mean, you, you look at Western Michigan, Texas Corpus mm-hmm. Christi, uh, beat Pitt, beat Carolina, beat Georgia Tech, and then now Clemson. It's Ken Palm has them as a one-point favorite. It might as well be a pick them if you're a gambling guy. Unlike sure. me, I'm not a gambling guy. But, uh, you know, Clemson has a legit shot to win up there. But, man, they are playing well, uh, Notre Dame is. And they've got guys. Blake Wesley has turned out to be the best freshman that nobody talked about coming into the season. He is that good. No, love that. Yeah, it, it, there, there's some big – there's some big games, especially when you have a ma- matchups with like Duke and North Carolina coming down later in the season. You got to get some wins if you want to keep momentum going. You, you've touched on this a little bit, and I want to want to just get some more of your thoughts on this before we got too much further. How how good can PJ Hall really be? I mean, we've seen this transition from freshman to sophomore year, and you see Amir Sims has this touch on that, and he's now become the focal point of this offense. But I mean, do you have like a ceiling of what he could be, or just like what? If he keeps going on this rate, like what makes him? I just want to talk about more, like what makes him so good, and what can depends he keep on if he wants to on. stay all four years. Depends on sure. if he wants to stay all four years. Which, let's be honest, like he averages fourteen and seven and four assists at six ten six eleven. There's going to be a lot of you know calls like, hey, are you, are you going to stick around? And I, I mean, for the pros, I don't. I think PJ loves being a Clemson Tiger. Yeah, uh, I really do. So I don't think that he'd be a transfer candidate, but uh, heading off to the pros, I think, would be a viable option, especially after next year, because mm-hmm. he has been that kind of player. Uh, Clemson's good this year. They're 10 and five. They're going to win a lot more games. They have a chance to win. 
you know, they need to win 12 games for tournament consideration. I think that goes without saying because the ACC in general has been poor. Has been poor, um, yeah. But I, I also think, like, if you're able to keep everybody and Hunter Tyson decides to stay for his COVID year, next year's Clemson team could be really, really good. And, and when, going back to P.J. Hall, he could be one of the better players ever to play in the front court at Clemson. And I'm including Trevor Booker. I'm including Amir. I'm including all these guys. Like, yeah. there's a significant difference. And, and, you know, I spend a lot of time on the high school circuit during the summers. There's a big difference between top 50 kids and the top 200 kids. And a lot of that has to do with two inches in height and about 30 pounds. You see the difference between PJ uh, and Amir, quite frankly. Amir was a top 120 kid or something. PJ was a top 50, top 40, 40, 50 kid. And because of his big size and his ability to shoot the ball and how smart he is, like, he's tough. And if he decides to do one more year, watch out, because Clemson could be a top 30 team in the country at the beginning of next season. Wow. Yeah, it's it's so exciting. And as a fan, you don't want to get like too hyped up into it just because of how tough it is to, to keep building momentum right now. But yeah, it's really exciting. And I, I really am enjoying what I'm watching and just how much fun these guys seem to have too. Like just you can just tell, like, especially I just want to give credit to Amir too, of just you can just tell to the culture that's been building there and just how much fun those guys are having. I love that. Um I also want to talk to this team as we're getting to know a little bit more. Do you have somebody who maybe is a little more of a casual fan of maybe a little bit more of an underrated player on the team for them to watch or who's just a fun, fun guy to watch for Clemson? For yeah. Clemson? Yeah. You know, a guy that I've really, my respect for him has grown a lot. And that's Hunter Tyson. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he just does all the other things for the team for them to be good. And he's just improved incrementally every year that he's been on campus. This year, he's shooting right at 50%. Sorry. He's, he's, he's shooting right at 50% from the field, shooting right at 40% from three, and he just does all the right stuff. Not to mention he's one of the best out-of-area rebounders in the conference, averaging six. But, you know, sometimes rebounding numbers can be skewed because, like, Clemson doesn't play that many possessions. So, like, if he plays in a faster system, he's probably averaging eight or nine. Because, you know, that's an extra seven, eight, nine possessions, right? Sure. He's averaging six boards. He, they, they run some offense for him. He's turned into a quality three-point shooter. Whenever he came in, his only scholarship offer was to Davidson and Clemson. Those were his two scholarship offers. He's turned into a really good ACC basketball player. So, it, for me to watch him continue to get better has been a treat for me. I love that. Yeah, and the the improvement, too. I just Even just seeing some of his low post ability to – create some offense when you can kind of tell the offense is stagnant a little bit. He's gotten some couple turnaround, his turnaround efficiency jump, like just making some shots when we need a basket. I've, I've really enjoyed that and just has seen his improvement. Um, I asked the question because there's a guy I've been watching who maybe his stats don't necessarily pop out at you, but just the energy and the way that he just helps keep the momentum going is Nas Bohannon. Yeah. Like David Collins gets a lot of the, like big with for the transition, uh, tr- uh, the transfer, but also I just, I've just liked the way Nas Bahannon plays and, and giving, having a guy behind PJ Hall because he's had a little bit of trouble with, with foul trouble and just getting some good energy and good, um, being able to handle the ball well on the inside and create some shots. I just, he's a guy I, I would just say too. I was just curious if, if, if he, he would pick, but that's, that's a guy I've always just enjoyed watching. Just well, he deserves a lot him. of credit. 
Yeah, Nick, he he deserves a lot of credit too because his last game at his previous at his previous spot was Youngstown State. He ended up with a triple double. So mm-hmm. he deserves a lot of credit for nothing more than he goes from being the absolute man at his previous spot to mm-hmm. coming off the bench and still being an excellent locker room guy, still providing in the minutes that he's been given. He's averaging 18 mm-hmm. minutes a game, but that's coming from a guy that was averaging near, nearly 35 at his last spot. So mm-hmm. for him to accept that, still have a great attitude about it, influence winning, which is what he does. He influences winning because his ability to get a rebound and take off dribbling without having to pass it to a point guard yeah. really opens up the offense. And when they're in oh, transition, it's so fun. Offense, yeah, yeah it, it opens up things, and he's an excellent passer, and he puts it on the numbers. And that's one of the reasons, among many, that three-point shooting percentages have gone through the roof for Clemson and because he's able to do that and find open shots for our guards that – Quite frankly, since they're so small, you have to find ways to get them open enough to shoot it, and he's done a nice job of that. Yeah, love it. Yeah, it, it's it's a really fun team to watch, and I would say like they're they're learning as they go. Just another thing is these you'll I'm I'm expecting we'll see some more momentum as we go more into the season. So okay, so we've got team they're ten and five, two and two in conference. We've let a couple get away, but it's it's a team that's growing and it's building. What would you say going into this? You're saying right now they're projected like in the next four hours or NIT right now. What would you say is a healthy like expectation for the rest of the season? Like if, that, if we reach this, this is a healthy expectation for us as a fan base. That, I, mean, I mean, here's the deal. Like you're, you're at Clemson. You're not getting five-star kids every year. So mm-hmm. you have to be kind of on a developmental track. And for you to be able to get to the NIT, win a game or two, like that'd be big time. That'd be big time, especially coming off an NCAA tournament appearance and one of the most unappreciated teams in Clemson history last year because nobody got to watch the games. Mm-hmm. And it was it, it was a tough season last year. And I, I think if this team sniffs, you know, last four out or next four out or something like that, I think that's really good, especially coming into the season where a lot of people picked Clemson in that 11-12 range mm-hmm. for them to finish at that, you know, 5-6 it's entirely possible and probable. I think that's yeah. a tremendous overachievement. And I think Brad and his staff have done a nice job to put them on track to be a really good team, not only this year. Because, guys, it's it's hard to get to the NCAA tournament. There's 350-something odd teams at mm-hmm. NCAA. Only 68 go. And it's it makes it tough. <laughs> you got to keep in mind there's only, what, 30, 34, 36 at-large bids? Mm-hmm. Like – you have to be there consistently. And if you're there every other year and you're a Clemson fan, we're, hey, guys, let's be honest. Nick, you, you're, you're talking about it at the beginning. We haven't really floated into football basketball season yet because everybody's worried about football. Like, people don't show up. And as they did, they did for a while when I was playing because we generated a certain kind of energy. But even so, if you can't get people to show up for a Big Ten ACC challenge game, that's an issue with the school you're at, not necessarily the coaches staff you're with. Because you have to be able to provide that kind of atmosphere, and that's where it makes it hard to recruit. So that's where it puts you in position to where, hey, you have to develop guys because you're not going to be able to generate that kind of energy that Michigan State, North Carolina, Duke, they've been able to do because they are basketball-centric schools. You're going to have that energy no matter what if you're not. Yeah. No, I I, I agree with really all you're saying. I mean, there's not – Really, thing I I would want to push back. I think just wanting it to tap into that 
that dynamic more is you, you have these traditional, like, this is a football school, this is a basketball school, and how tough it is to be good at both. That's why what, like, Alabama is doing right now is yeah. really impressive. Like, what Nate Oates is doing around them, down there, and I have and a He's unappreciated, and he's unappreciated because yeah. they just have a hard time getting guys to go to the games there. And that's yeah. fine. But but you also have to look at the kind of recruits that he's getting. He's getting that next tire. He's not getting those. He's got, he's starting to get those five-star kids, but still having a hard time. Like it kind of stinks because, you know, basketball is much more here than football. And I get that. And it's just, it, it doesn't require as many people to sit down in the seats. I get all that too, but it's, it's, it's hard because you're recruiting to a place that on a Tuesday night, not many places, not many people are going to drive down from Greenville for a nine o'clock tip off. So yeah, you have yeah. to you have to get a certain kind of kid that's really appreciative to be at Clemson that's going to develop, and that's what Brad has been able to do. Yeah, um, and th- that's what's so interesting about just from a fan space because you kind of tend to as a fan you get into like a there's people who love what Coach Brown has done, and you have fans who also like have been a little bit more frustrated because of right. maybe some more inconsistency. I, what would you say just, I mean, you, you've tapped into this a little bit, but just what would you say coming from a football school? Like what as a fan, just like what's, what should our mindset be of like wanting to do well? And even you see a school like an Alabama, who's like starting to do better in basketball and, and you want to beat and be up there with the Carolinas and stuff. Like how, how can we support this team or how can we do a better job of just recognizing the talent and we see it. And then, but also like wanting to hold, like hold a better standard too. Like you got to show, you, you got to show up in both. November. You got to show up yeah. in November and December. Like, yeah. like that's what it really comes down to. And, and because what happens is, is that's when your visitors are coming in. Like that's mm-hmm. when these official visits are coming in uh, during the November and December months. So they're going to go in and they're going to see these games in front of, you know, 55% capacity for a big game. It's hard to sell. So, like, for them people to say, well, you can't recruit, can't do this, can't do that. Well, I mean, you got to recruit to what you have. Now, Mm -hmm. he does have a new facility. I get all that. Mm -hmm. He does have all this and that. I get all that. But you have to recruit to what you have. And whenever 50% capacity is showing up, it makes it difficult. You know what I mean? Like, you have to – like, I remember coming on my uh, my visit. uh, I came on my official visit during, like, the first week of football season. So, it wasn't then. But Mm – like I came to my, I came to an unofficial, came to a basketball game when Clemson played Georgia Tech. When Clemson was still good, they were an NIT team the year before I got there. Mm-hmm. The place was packed, packed, and it was like holy cow! Like I, I can't wait to play in front of all these people. And man, the energy here is different because it's packed in here. That stuff matters to players. That stuff matters to recruits. Sure. And and you know you you show up for a November game against a big time opponent like at home for a big 10 ACC challenge and you can't fill up the place. And it's not, that's not Brad's fault. Like, you know, could, could we go out and rec- like say, Hey guys, we need fans. We need, you probably could do that a little more. Sure. But at the same time, like it's still hard. It's really hard. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the criticism, I mean, yes, you want consistency, but also it's, yeah. And speaking to what you're saying, it is a lot harder than it looks in basketball. Like it really, you can feel a difference between a 60% capacity crowd and a 90% capacity crowd. Like it oh, makes a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. Especially on a weeknight um, yeah. makes, makes a big difference. What, as, as we're looking at the rest of the season, obviously. I hope I, I, hope I didn't come off too, too strong there, but like you, you have to look at it. From oh yeah. 
like I like here's the thing like I I understand people want more juice like you want to go on these big long runs and then but the problem is is it's such a process like you have to get the right players you Mm -hmm. have to be able to sell the right thing you have to be able to develop those players you have to get the right game plan it like it's such a process but the biggest thing is you got to have the players and if you're able if you're not recruiting to full capacity stadiums it makes it hard because what's happening is is Duke's recruiting to full capacity Carolina's recruiting to full capacity like it 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 makes it difficult it makes it difficult no I, I I think I think I think that's very fair I think there's there is some I don't I don't want to say spoiled that's not the right word I want to use but just saying when you get used to success in one major program yeah. And then you want it, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't mean it's going to translate over. You have to show the same energy to help build it because we're at different stages of the program. And that's why, you know, and trying to tap into the expectation program, because like you're saying, if we make the NIT, like that should be six, like they're building something there and you want to, because it's different yeah. in college basketball. Cause you have to have, you're not going to have all these, like the top tier guys, they leave after a year or two. So to build a consistent program, you have to have guys who want to be there for the longevity and see the value in that. Um, So I think it, I don't know. I I just, I kind of wanted just to to give credits for what Brown now and the staff is doing to show that he's just been, he's been getting a lot of like flack recently and and just recent and just wanted to say what they're building in these past few years. I've just been really encouraged and I want fans to see what, what they're doing and like for a guy to get a guy like a PJ Hall and then to see him develop. I think these are the kind of things that will really start to get the ball rolling um, for, for future years. If we keep supporting him like this, for sure. Well, it, it also helps when, you know, PJ is a local kid and he wants to go to Clemson. Yeah. Like if you protect the state of South Carolina, you can do that. But some kids like, you know, it's almost a, it's almost a catch 22 because you want some of these local kids to come up as much as possible. But at the same time, they're also seeing some of these pre-conference games where nobody's in the stands. And, you know, it's it's hard. Like, it's really difficult. Like, I'll never forget, I was still on staff with Brad, and it's a Big Ten ACC Challenge. We're playing against a very good Nebraska team, a tournament-bound Nebraska team. Mm-hmm. It was 9 o'clock on a Tuesday. It, it might have been 40% full. That's hard. Like – yeah, and, and and it's not necessarily anybody's fault because I understand that Greenville is forty minutes away. Like I understand all that. I understand that like most of your fans come from Greenville, they drive in, and it's hard to do that on Tuesday night at nine o'clock. But at the same time, you also can't turn around and say, "Well, he can't do this, he can't do that." Like it's just as much on the fans to be a part of things as it is to be able to sell those things. And that's a big portion. Kids love the energy of a lot of people. Sorry, we probably need to move on. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I, I think it, it, it's just it's. I think it's just more the na- the nature of the of the program. And I think it, if you want to keep building it, that's just a way for it to, to help support support the team. So I would just say continually, like this is a good program, and to continue to support that. Um, so just going on, I, I just wanted to tap in as we're we're starting to wrap up. What are just some just some circle matchups upcoming where you're like, this is an important game where you want to keep building momentum here because you've got Duke, obviously we had the postponement and hopefully we'll get that in. Um, that'd be a bummer if we didn't, but we'll go on the road there, which is not ever fun place to play, but we talked about Notre Dame. That's the next one, but do you have another matchup in the upcoming next few weeks or month or so that we really want to keep our eyes on and say like, this is a team we really need to focus on. This Notre Dame, this Notre Dame team coming up is a big, really? Okay. Yeah, because because they're right around the same level as far as you know, 
they've developed a pretty nice little resume with some of their wins here recently, North Carolina, they beat Kentucky. They just went down to Georgia. Like this is a team that's rolling. If you're able to beat them at their place with the resume that they've generated starts to look good uh, because you got to look at your schedule after that. You have Boston college, you have Syracuse with your guards that shoot the ball the way they do. I think Syracuse winning up there is a very real probability. And then you have Pitt. So if you're able to win this next game, that's four in a row to where it's like, Hey man, we might be able to make something happen. So you win these next four, you're 14 and five, and people are really starting to talk about Clemson a little bit. It's just this Notre Dame game, because they do have talent, they don't guard anybody. I don't think, Nick, if they put me and you in the starting lineup right now, they could guard us. Like Notre Dame doesn't guard anybody. So they could go up there and sneak one out there. If they're able to do that, the schedule for the next three games after that looks very promising. Yeah, I like that too. And I, I think I think you're right, because then you can start building off of momentum basketball is very momentum and then if you go to a duke and even if you don't come away with a win and you have a good showing then you're coming away with like okay we're still in the top or half of the acc and you have a lot more to work with and play with that's right um yeah i love that well tio thank you so much for being on this is really fun and then yeah man absolutely he's gonna talk college basketball always like uh, just excited to get to pick your brain about it so well, it's football it's still, still football season like we've been talking about it's still football. yeah yeah like we did about the whole time yeah so yeah. <laughs> well guys yeah make sure you check out all that to's doing if you're not following him on twitter uh please do it's a huge insight into college basketball and you just want to get inside and, and just become smart about the game he's a great person to follow it's a uh, coach to 22 right at Coach To twenty two, and then on the field of on the field of sixty eight at the field of sixty eight, mm-hmm. and then uh, I'm, I I do a bunch of stuff with them, different shows, everything like that. So if you want to get in with college basketball and deep dive into college basketball, make sure you follow them too. Yes, yes, very smart follow. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Remember, if you liked, uh, subscribe, give us a rating review, tell us what you like. Um, thanks for listening on the show, and for now, we are signing off. <laughs>